Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and with me again is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Good to see you. Good to see you too across the Zoom screen. Uh, we are continuing in our series called Waiting. Uh, we're looking at the books of Thessalonians. Uh, this week you talked a little bit about our goal while we wait. Um, you kind of you know, Paul was writing these letters uh, and encouraging sanctification, which we'll define in just a minute, and, and talked a little bit about sexuality. So this is going to be a, a fun conversation, I think. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Um, can you can you define sanctification for me? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, sure. So, so sanctification, I mean, essentially is is simply put, it's becoming more and more like Jesus, uh, and and it's it's what happens on a daily basis, and so. Mm. Um, it's related very, very closely to the word holiness. Um, it's the same okay. root of the Greek word. And so you can find that in the passage wherever you see holiness and then sanctification, it's probably the same word. And it is. Um, so the Bible actually talks about holiness in three different ways. There is a mm -hmm. past holiness that happens when Jesus um, died on the cross and made us, uh, when we accept that and um, and identify Jesus as our Lord, we have begun we've been made holy by Jesus because of what he did. And so yeah. that's something that happened in the past. And one way to think about it that I found really helpful is that, is that that kind of thing is actually talking about being freed from the penalty of sin. Then there's okay. a future part of holiness, which is what God will do in the end. Um, because we recognize that generally speaking, sin still exists, even though we've been freed from the, from the final consequences and penalty of sin, um, mm -hmm. sin still exists, but in the future, it doesn't. So the future, what we sometimes call glorification, is really about being freed from the presence of sin. There's no okay. more sin. It's gone. Everything yep. is gone. In the meantime, we have to deal with the fact that we have been saved. We will be glorified. What yep. happens in the middle? And right. holiness is what, sanctification is what that is all about. That is about pursuing right. holiness on a daily basis, becoming more and more Christ-like with every day and every action that we take. And what I try to talk about in this message is that oftentimes what happens is when we're in a bad place, we reach out to God and we're very motivated to try to find out what he wants us to do. And we're hmm. in prayer and all of those kinds of things. But when things are going well, the tendency in our lives, no matter whether it's our faith or anything else, the tendency is to sit back and become complacent. And what I argued is that there is no room for complacency while we wait. And that's what the, the book of uh, First Thessalonians tackles. It talks about this idea, what do you do while you wait? And so mm -hmm. sanctification is the goal, not being complacent, taking every opportunity to grow in our, in, in our faith and in our closeness to Jesus and our Christ-likeness. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really helpful. Um, and I actually, so we sang who you say I am after the sermon on Sunday and I flipped glorification and justification. I talked about glorification, which when I, I was actually talking about justification, right? This idea that our identity uh, as followers of Christ is rooted in this moment of the cross where Jesus has declared us to be not guilty, yes. um, where he has forgiven us. And that like, that inspires us on our journey of sanctification. And if, if we're primarily being motivated by guilt, that's actually wrong. We need to come back to this moment of justification because we have this future hope of glorification. Yeah. And in the in-between, we're being sanctified. I know these are big words, but they're actually 
pretty helpful. Yeah, um, and both of those things are true though, Dave. Like in the sense of oh, like sure. the the what we look for in the, on the horizon is exactly what the Thessalonians were talking about. Mm-hmm. Every chapter Paul talks about what's going to happen in the future. He keeps talking about this end time, this moment when everything will be made right, when all of your problems will be erased, when things will be made new. And, and I think that both of those things can motivate us just as you've described. Um, and so, so I think there is a sense in which we can look forward to our glorification, um, and have that affect the way we see how we live in the meantime. And I appreciate that you said that this isn't about being guilty. I think we need to recognize that sin is not gone, that because Mm -hmm. Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean that I'll never sin again. What it means is that I'm forgiven, but what I do with the sin now is really important. If I ignore it, and just press on. Um, the Bible is pretty clear that that's an indication that our hearts aren't right. And so mm-hmm. there is a, a, a point for us to actually work things out. And the Bible actually talks about working out your salvation. Um, some of these things might sound a little foreign to us because we're like, wait, is, hasn't Jesus already saved me? Yes. Yeah. Well, doesn't that mean that I don't have to work? No, you do have to work. Um, but that doesn't mean that what you do is going to save you. It just means mm-hmm. that what you do is an indication that you are becoming more and more like Christ. And that's where glory, that's where sanctification comes in. Yeah. So you, you've talked about, um, I mean, this fight against apathy, uh, it looks like moving towards sanctification. And the example that Paul gives us here is sexuality. Right. And we didn't, I mean, we didn't go really deep into defining biblical sexuality on Sunday. So I'm wondering if you can really quickly, just what what is biblical sexuality? What is the call... Uh, the place of sex in in God's values. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, God defines, um, you know, our, our sexuality or sex is to be something that happens within a loving, committed, monogamous relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and wife. And mm-hmm. that is the place for this to happen. And I think what uh, that's, the, I mean, that's the simple, you know, yep. uh, kind of description about it. And I think that, you know what is sexual immorality because that's the phrase he uses i mean there's mm-hmm. a whole there's a whole bunch of things that could be considered sexual immorality um and those some of those are, are a little bit more clear but in our culture today i think where the, probably the place where things bump up the most is on this idea of whether sex is something that is casual or whether some sex is something that is to be saved for a marriage relationship and mm-hmm. our idea about whether it's casual will will drive us towards how we deal with it, whether we are engaged, you know, before we're married, while we're married, you know, all those kinds of things, you know, yeah. and and that's where the, the kind of the, the trouble gets. And and I think that in our culture where I I would say and this is, you know, as I, I think we have to be humble about these things, but I would say that our culture is naive about the 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 power of sex um, in a relationship. Mm. Because I think that we believe that it's just physical and it's not really anything else. But the Bible tells us that it actually is like super glue. It puts people together. It's couple making. It makes couples. Yeah. That's what it does. And and so there's something that happens when we share that with someone. And that's why, you know, there's a, you know, our biblical perspective is something that I think is connected to sanctification, at least for Paul, because this is like, this is something that we all get, um, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's that powerful kind of i think probably the things that that are the most that kind of like affect us the most that just get us all worked up is like sex and anger like those two things are like Hmm. the things that are so explosive in us 
And so it's not surprising the Bible actually talks a lot about sex and anger because oh, sex and anger. Yeah. It's it, it it's an explosion in us sometimes, right? So, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, so I mean that's uh like again, this is the, the biblical definition of sexuality you just gave us is it it really flies in the face of a lot of a lot of culture today. Um and a lot. I mean, we as Christians have a reputation uh rightly or wrongly of being prudish of um, uh, uh, you know, of uh, not really understanding sex, of being kind of, you know, anti, anti-physical, anti-body. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you've said there is, is actually, it's not that, right? I mean, you, you, you said sex no. is super glue, which I mean, fascinating. If you look at some of the research on this, um, you look at the people who aren't Christians, don't share a Christian worldview who study things like pornography, um, they say, man, the impact of this is much greater than we want to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that happens. There's something it changes, uh, not only our emotions, but, but sometimes our physiology and, and can impact us. Yeah. Um, so like, it, ha, explain to me a little bit, this idea that sex is super glue. Um, like there's, there's goodness in sex and yet yeah. it, the biblical worldview of sex kind of has it way more limited than our culture would say, like. Yeah. Culture would say sex is good anywhere with anyone, anytime. And and I know not all culture says that, but way more than the Bible, that's kind of true. And and the Bible says sex is really good, but only in this little thing. How do we, how do we yeah. reckon with that? Well, and I, I think we have to, that's, it's a good question to reckon with for sure. And I think, I think maybe we have to put the other side uh, on the table as well in the sense that, um, you know, there are people who get so worked up about the consequences of sin or of sex that they mm. they think it's just bad and it's dirty and it's wrong and it's shameful yep. and and those two sides of the coin that you know being uh, really open with our sexuality or being entirely closed off those two sides are both um, negative experiences and 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 certainly not what the bible has in mind there's mm-hmm. nothing in the bible that's like the Bible is not about being a, a kind of a dam to sort of stop sexual energy. It's about putting the banks on the on the sides of the river that kind of allow it to be focused in a, in a particular direction. So yeah. so and, and I always find I find it actually interesting in this passage that we just read. He's talking about holiness, right? And yeah. what does he use as his example? He talks about sex. So it's almost like, you know, we have this idea that like, if, if anyone ever had the idea that sex was wrong or something that we should be avoided, I mean, it's actually part of our holiness. It's, it's a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that I think is, is, um, is, is, is really important. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with, um, with it. Uh, it, it actually is something absolutely incredible and beautiful and wonderful in yeah. the context of a, um, a, a committed monogamous relationship. So what about those who aren't in a committed monogamous relationship? How is sex a good thing and a thing for holiness if we find ourselves in a life position where we're not in what what the Bible defines as a, you know, appropriate bounds for sex? How is sex and sexual energy and I mean you you know, it, the explosive energy of sexuality, how is that still a good thing? What yeah, do we do with that? That's a good question. The way that the way that I would look at it in one sense, I think I, I, I can't remember where I read this, but um, so this isn't my own kind of thinking, but is the idea that like, let me put it this way. If I, if I, um, you know, had an old sweater that, you know, that I didn't like, and it was, you know, whatever it had holes in it and it was stretched mm-hmm. out and I didn't like it anymore. 
and I said, hey, do you want a sweater? And I gave it to you. You, you would kind of be like, thanks. But like there would be no feeling of like, wow, this is a this is a gift. Right. If mm-hmm. I were to take something that was my prized possession, the most important thing to me, and I gave it to you, you would feel much more honored by that gift. And I sure. think that we have an opportunity through celibacy to to offer up a gift that is so important and so enormous back to God mm-hmm. um, that that it actually becomes this really uh, amazing act of worship as we sort of give up of ourselves and give something back to God. Um, yeah. So I think there's something really valuable in in the fact of just um, you know kind of that. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I think you could you could perhaps define sexuality a little more broadly. Yeah. So you you quoted from uh, Ken Shigematsu on Sunday. Yes. Uh, Ken is a, a Vancouver pastor. Write write wrote a book on rule of life, which is kind of this uh, like a, a guideline to help you live well. Um, some really great stuff in there. And you he talks about sex uh, like a fire that you put in the fireplace. Right. If your curtains are on fire, the house is going to burn down. It's not going to go well. But a fire in the fireplace helps to warm the whole house. Is a really lovely thing. Yeah. Um, so he's got a whole chapter on this and he, he says, our rule, rule of life will help us to channel our desires in ways that bring satisfaction, help connect us with others, bring life to our relationships. Um, because God designed our sexuality as an essential part, uh, of us, our, our rule helps to put uh, healthy boundaries in place. Um, so, so how, like, is it, is it broader than that? And I've got another quote from him. I want to, want to read here as well. Um, he, he kind of actually broadens sexuality and he says, when we connect with others in ways that bring life, whether it involves inspiring someone to write a poem, welcoming them in a way that instills confidence or teaching them how to throw a football, we are expressing our sexuality, our desire to give and nurture life. So he actually defines sexuality much more than the act of having sex. Um, but anything that gives and nurtures life thoughts there. Yeah, I, I I think it's really interesting, and it's a it's a good you know I, he I I really did like the way he talked about it in that sense, um, and I think there are places where we can express our sexuality in that idea of that desire for intimate relationships that are healthy and good, um, mm-hmm. you know the the you know giving and nurturing life and some of the things that you've talked about there, um, yeah, it's a good question, and so you know, what would those things look like and how easily would most of us define them as sexuality? Uh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I like, um, I like the broadening of sexuality more to kind of a, a definition of intimacy and, and allowing, like we have this, this part of us that longs for intimacy with others. And yes, the physical, like the physical act of sex is, is a part of that, but it's not all of it. Um, yeah. And missing out on that doesn't mean that we're not like using our sexuality to honor God. I really like the idea. Uh, I, I feel like it's a little hard. Honestly, it's a little hard for me as a married man to be like, yeah, that's great. Uh, Cause I've never been on the yeah. other side of it in the same way. Um, but I, I think, I think Ken's onto something there. Yeah, I, I do think so. I, I think that we can express ourselves in those ways, you know, like uh, in terms of, you know, helping someone write a poem or, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I think that for those people who are in places where they're not able to, um, 
you know, to, to fully develop some of their sexual desires and all those kinds of mm. things because, you know, their age or their place in life or whatever it happens to be. Um, I'm not sure those things would would alleviate some of the desire or the hurt or the pain or the the feeling of wanting some of those things. And, and perhaps yeah. like you, you know, being a married man, it's a different conversation. But but I do think that I think that um, recognizing it um you know, recognizing that that what we're giving up is 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 also helpful too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think there is a place to to exercise that kind of you know to kind of lean into some of those things about nurturing life and you know giving to yeah. others and you know recognizing I, I, that it's broader. I mean, I, I think it's also important. I mean, we've we've talked about how sexuality is this good thing; it's super glue, um, but it is something that's broken, and we like we recognize that it is broken. Sure in the world around us. And even like, I'll say even in the best of circumstances, I've journeyed with enough people. I've seen enough stories to know that like, it's very rarely ideal. <laughs> like most of our lives, right? Like it's not, um, you're right. And, and I know one of people's pushbacks against biblical sexuality is how can you, how can you deprive someone? How can you tell someone that they shouldn't, um, you know, shouldn't be able to experience these wonderful things. And yet I look around and I, I look at, um, friends who are, are widowed, um, friends who have gone through, you know, physical injuries or other things. And there's like, this is actually a pretty normal part of the brokenness of being human as well as the good part of being human. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's something there I want to like, okay, we've talked about the good and we've talked about sexual energy. So if we're to trust the stats and I think they're pretty trustworthy, um, let's take something like pornography, uh, which is, is something that uh, is outside of like engaging in pornography is outside of the realm of the biblical sexual ethic. Um, Mm -hmm. But I know the stats are, Oh, I don't know them offhand, but it's more than 90% of men at some point in their lives. And I think it's more than 60% of women now. Um, Like it's not, it's not a minority of the population who are, who are struggling in this. And and the stats in the church aren't much different uh, from the, from the studies that I've read. Um, so people who are hearing this, uh, you know, there's, there's probably guilt in here. There's probably, Mm -hmm. uh, questions of, oh man, I know better. I know what's going on. How do you, how do we deal with this cognitive dissonance of knowing the biblical truth and wanting to get out of it? And, and how do we, like, what would you suggest to someone? What are some next steps? Um, how do we help people? Yeah, it's good. And, and, you know, a theological conversation about sort of, you know, what is sexuality or, you know, whatever, it may yeah. not be as helpful in this moment if you're in that no. state, right, as you're talking about. But, you know, I, I would say, well, I would say two things. Number one, I would say that if you, if you're in a place right now where you are recognizing that you're not doing the right thing, but you're just having trouble doing the right thing. That's yep. great. Let's just put that to the side for a second, because there's lots of op- like, there's some things that we can do there. If on the other hand, you're in a place where you have, you know, been settling into where you are, whether it's a habit with pornography or whether it's, you know, a, you know, a living situation, um, you know, or, uh, you know, a sexual relationship that you're having, you know, outside of a marriage context, whatever those things, if you kind of settled into a place where you've said, I'm cool with it, you know, I'm still a follower of Jesus, you know, God's good with this, you know, I prayed, I've, Mm -hmm. I, to those people, I would say, let's, 
you know, bring someone else into your story. Um, because life in our, in our culture, in our context, we, we have these echo chambers where we have this idea and we can put it out there and we, we're going to find people who agree with us, no matter how yeah. off the wall our thinking might be. And in these cases, I think I understand getting into that place where you've just completely convinced yourself that this is just not a problem, but have a conversation with someone you trust and, and have that back and forth and hear a little bit about, you know, talk to someone who might kind of push you and challenge you in a loving way on some of those things. Because I think that there's, um, I think we need to critically think about this. Am I following what God wants for me in my life? Or have I created my own standard, um, you know, to, to follow? So that's yeah. the one side. The other side, those yep. who, who are in a place where they're like, yeah, I want to do better and I just keep failing. You know, I try, mm-hmm. you know, every, every few months or whatever, I get to a place where I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. And then, you know, a little while later, I fall back into the same habit. Whatever those things, what, wherever you are in that place, um, you know, there are like accountability groups, there's even software and things that you can use as well. Um, yeah. But there are very practical ways where you can start to take these steps. But I don't think anything beats um, a relationship with someone who's going to hold you accountable and help lead you in, in an appropriate way. What do yeah, you think I about think that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good wisdom. Um, find someone you trust and who loves you uh, and who mm-hmm. knows Jesus and walks with him uh, and ask them to hold you accountable. Um, and, and, you know, it, these are, these are hard issues. They're big issues. Uh, but I think there's a lot, there's a lot to say for little habits. Um, uh, you know, the uh, often a, a lot of this, again, because we're, because we are whole beings, we're not physical and then emotional and then spiritual all kind of divided neatly. Um, there's a lot of simple things like, like getting good exercise, eating well, sleeping well, um, changing some habits, practicing really simple prayers, um, which mm-hmm. I know have been really effective in, in uh, lives of friends of mine. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of things like that, but again, without, without relationship, without someone who you can text or call immediately. Um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to instantly go away, but I think those are the places Jesus, Jesus wanted us to walk life together. Yeah. Um, and, and like, again, find that, find that right balance between understanding, um, justification and glorification and these glorious truths that Jesus has set us yeah. free uh, yeah. and that he declares victory over sin. Uh, yeah. And yet, you know, we are living in this realm of sanctification and it's day by day and we're going to get it wrong and we're going to get it right. Don't let the guilt of that crush you, but yeah. uh, lean in and and really follow Jesus in that. Yeah. And, and I know we're running out of time and I, just to, yep. just to say as well, like it's, it's a funny thing because we talk about grace and we talk about, you know, you're, you're not going to always get this right and you're going to make mistakes, but then sometimes that leads to sort of a permission, uh, where it kind of gets us feeling like, well, if everyone's doing it, then I, it's not so bad or I can do it too. So we have to walk this very fine line of, figuring out how, and I think this is for each of us individually, wherever you are struggling or not struggling, kind of getting in a place where we constantly ask questions about our thinking, you know, think about your thinking. Cause I think that yeah. is, is something that would go a long way to help you, um, yeah. you know, take, take steps towards victory. Yeah. And again, uh, like we say every week, if you've got questions, if you want to reach out and connect, if this is something you're struggling with, or you want some resources on, you know, understanding biblical sexuality and what's going on there, we would love to chat um, and 
definitely have some great stuff we can point you towards. Agreed. Sadly, we are out of time, uh, but we're going to be talking more about Thessalonians next week, and we hope to have you join us then for more Postscript. Postscript.